Amen. You're all very spread out. Are you all comfortable where you are or would you like to move a little bit closer to me? Um, it's fine. You can stay where you are if you like. I'm not going to force you to do that. But, uh, the, um, so the, the passage, that, or, the, or the one verse actually I'm going to be focused on today is, uh, is really in connection with all the, pre- the preceding verses that we've been looking at in, in the last three week, two or three weeks, but also I think it has a bit of a, 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 summer, a summary point of the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is, is, is now, as we read through these, these verses, is coming into, as, as a popular phrase amongst preachers, coming into land um, on, on the Sermon on the Mount. And he's, he's been unpacking in all of that, what does it look like for us to be disciples of Jesus and to live out this life as part of God's kingdom in the here and the now? Because if our life in Christ doesn't affect the here and the now and the things that we're involved in in this moment and shaping up our, our relationships with God and with others, then actually it's, it's all pretty pointless, isn't it? It makes, makes very little odds because we can, we can carry on coming to our, our Sunday services or, or, um, or getting involved in small groups and studying the Bible, but actually if it has no direct impact upon our, our life, our inner life and our life in, involved in community, then... It's pointless. So Jesus is kind of getting into this this uh, mode where he's going. Actually, the, this this life affects how we do our relationships one with another. And so you'll have heard this this verse referred to as the golden rule. And please tell me you've heard of that. Yes, the golden rule. And what is the golden rule? The other golden rule, Matt. The other golden rule. <laughs> What's what? Do, um, this is the the law, uh, the law and the prophets. Do unto others as you would have do unto do. Now there are some commentators that would say that actually Jesus is the only one who turns this into a positive. Uh, everybody else who would use this kind of proverbial saying was, was always in the negative. Don't do to others what you don't want done to you. Okay. Jesus is saying, look, well, no, there's a bit more active about that. It's a bit more like you take some responsibility for the action. Don't just not do something, but actively do something with what I'm telling you. And, and so we're going to, as we go through the remaining verses in the next few weeks, we'll see how Jesus really does land the Sermon on the Mount with, um, with some really strong instruction about hearing and obeying and doing and not doing. But here he says, this is, uh, this is it. So do unto, what, therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. Interesting that Jesus brings in the law and the prophets in this moment, because he's, he's rooting it in historic, it, like teaching and understanding. He's not just wiping away the law and the prophets, he's fulfilling the law and the prophets. He's saying, you thought this, but actually this is what it means. You had an understanding of what it says, do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery, all of those kind of do nots. And Jesus is saying, actually, I, I'm gonna tell you this is what it really means. This is what the fulfillment of this, this is the, the way it works out in our lives in, in, the, in practice. Why does he say it? And why, are we, why were those rules and regulations put in place in the first place? Well, it was actually for our benefit. It was actually for the way, uh, uh, the human interactions. I want to love God and to love others. So we have this, uh, this golden rule that is, is rooted in, I think it's rooted in the heart of God for his people and in, in, in the gospel, actually. 
We see it in the life, we'll see this in the life of Jesus. But the Sermon on the Mount and this rule isn't simply about our own individual um, values and ethics of how we do things. It's, it's actually, it is shaped by the, the, the kingdom of God and the values that we hold, but it isn't just a, an individual thing. The Sermon on the Mount was never just about you and me, just me on my own. It was about us together. It was about our life together. It was about our family and our community and our witness to the world because the way that we behave internally has a reflection upon the way that th- people think about us externally. We don't always think about, like to think about that internal and out, in and out. It's kind of a bit awkward, isn't it? But the fact is, if we're a follower of Jesus, we are part of his family. We're in. Now that is an open invitation for anybody who will believe on Jesus that can come a part of his family. What we want to see and what we desire, isn't it, is that people would see something in us, the way that we live our lives and go, I want something about that because there's something different about the way that you behave, you think, you act, you speak, you respond to things. And there's some, what is it about you? What is it about you people? And, uh, and I think that's something of what God is trying to uh, stir in us. Um, and so this drives to the heart of the things that we hold to and we value. So the question is, do unto others what you would have them do to, do, uh, do to you. How do you like to be treated? Kindly, yeah. How else? How do you like to be treated? With respect, yeah. Love, yeah. Encouragingly, yeah, good. Yeah, acceptance. If you were walking into the fire, would you want somebody to love you enough to say, stop? Yeah? So there's like the, 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 the values that we've demonstrated with love, kindness, gentleness, compassion, grace, mercy, forgiveness. Like we, we, we love those things. We love to be on the receiving end of those things. So Jesus is saying, if you love those things, let those things be the things that shape how you respond to others because they will, the way that we respond to others will demonstrate truly what we value. By the way, it doesn't mean to say that we'll always get this right. Because how many times have we gone, gone through a moment and we go, oh, do you, know, you, leave, you leave a meeting, you think, oh no, if only I'd done that differently. If I, only ever had resp- if I only had just paused before I spoke, then it wouldn't have gone as badly as maybe as it had. And it, or is, that, is that just me? Okay, good. I'm really glad that we're on the same page here. Because the, the, so the, there are moments where we'll do that. But the, the, thing about the, the thing about walking in the life of the kingdom is that we, if we were unaware of those, that'd be really dangerous. But if we're aware of it, we can bring it before God and say, oh, I, made, I made a mistake there. And actually to the person that maybe you exploded at in the meeting and say, do you know what? I got it wrong. And I'm sorry. Because actually I wouldn't want to be treated the way that I treated you. So the, the way that Jesus is driving this, he's saying, look, just, just, I think just say, pause a moment and have a little think about how you would work, want to be on the receiving end of something. Now, this doesn't mean to say that we let anything go because, as I said, if, if I was going to walk into a fire that I didn't know was there, then I'd want somebody to yell at me, stop. Now, 
this illustration has just come to my mind, actually. And I don't know whether I've told this before, but when I was a, a young boy, I don't, Dad, how old was I? You probably don't remember. But correct me if I got this wrong, but my understanding was that we were on, I think we were on holiday. We were on top of a cliff. And um, there's the big drop, there was no fence. fence. I'm absolutely oblivious to the danger around. And I, I start running. And is that right? Kept running. I was running towards the edge, and my dad lovingly, well, he didn't probably use these phrases, but effectively, Ian, stop, you idiot! I was running towards danger. The most loving thing for, for, for my dad in that moment was to go, stop! Because he would have wanted somebody to do exactly the same in that moment. So when we talk about operating in a way that we want to be treated, it is in a way that's actually for the benefit of the other person, not for us. It's not about us. So often we operate in ways that are self-serving. So we'll get to some stuff in a minute. The, 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 the way that Jesus is talking is saying, live and act in a way that is beneficial to others. Not so that you, we don't get, um, don't get love and care and compassion and all that, but actually as we love others, it gives space for people to respond to us in likewise manner. Now the reality of it is, just because you're kind to somebody, just because you're loving to somebody, just because you're generous to somebody, doesn't mean to say that life is going to be one big utopia. Where everybody's going to be nice to you, and everybody's going to be kind to you, and everybody's going to love you, and everybody's going to like you, and everybody's going to serve you, and everybody's going to be compassionate. It's just not how it's going to be. Because we know that to be true, right? How often have we sought to try and be nice and generous and thinking, oh, well, maybe that will that'll change somebody's mind or they'll be nice back. And sometimes you feel like you're just always giving, always giving and never receiving. Anybody? Because that's, that that's the life that we live. Not everybody gets it. And not everybody will receive it. But Jesus is not bothered about them at this moment. It's time to say, you and me as his people live this way almost regardless of what happens on the other, on the other side. Because we cannot control how somebody else behaves. We have absolutely no control how somebody re reacts and responds. We have control over, over how we deliver it, how we, how we respond to people, how we speak to people, how we deal with people. We ha I think we have response to that. So we, we have to have Something that is, is, is born of the Spirit, it's a fruit of the Spirit, it's called self-control. So we, we have to operate in a way that is, um, is, is demonstrative of the way that God has purposed us to be for the benefit of others and keep doing it, keep living that way in order that others might see and hear and experience and taste because this is who we are, because this is about values. Because it's about what we value, it's about who we are, it's who we've been made to be. Remember, if we're in Christ Jesus, we've been transferred from one kingdom, one set of values, one way of doing it into a new kingdom, a new way of living, a new life in him. And so we get to live a different life. Like, we're changed. And we get, keep getting changed. The more that we walk with Jesus, the more we become like him, the more we become aware of those things. And so when Jesus says, um, 
Therefore, whatever you want to do, others to do for you, do also for them, uh, for this is the law and the prophets. He's, he's saying it because this is what it demonstrates, what it looks like to be a follower of his. The law and the prophets. Um, in, uh, in Matthew 22, Jesus, um, Jesus was asked a question, wasn't he? He said, it was asked by the Pharisees who were seeking to try and trip him up. And uh, they, they were after Jesus. Uh, but Jesus, as we, re- as we actually read through the Gospels, even in Jesus' interactions with the Pharisees, I think Jesus is putting these principles into place. He's, saying, he's operating in a way that is, is for the benefit of others. He, he has some strong words to say to the Pharisees and the religious leaders, but he's, I think he's frustrated that they don't see it. I think, he, I think he's longing for them to see it, but they just don't see it. And so he does print, say some really hard, harsh words. But he does it in a way that is, 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 I think, demonstrates the, these verses. But he says this. He was asked this question. When the Pharisees heard that they had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind. Uh, this is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. So I, I love the way that Jesus just gathered, gathers it all up together and says, if, if, if you want it short form, this is what it means. This is what it looks like for us to be God's people, is to love him wholeheartedly with full devotion, nothing held back, in the, in, the, in, the, in the good, in the painful, in the joy, in the, in the, in the mountaintops, it's, it's that, God, I'm setting my course to walk with you and to know you. I'm all in. And his grace, his grace is sufficient as we walk that pathway. His grace is enough for us. It's not because of our effort and our strength that we're able to go all in for Jesus. It's because we live a surrendered life to Jesus. It's not because we're strong enough and we've got it all together enough that we can even, even identify with these verses that say, Jesus, I, I'm, all my heart, all my life, all my soul, I'm all yours. It's not because we have anything to offer other than ourselves. And so he says, this is the greatest commandment, love God. Why do we love him? Well, as 1 John 4, 19 tells us, I'll read these verses in a minute. It tells us that we love him because he first loved us. So he operated in a way that was, what did he want? He wanted, his, he wanted people to love him, to know him, to serve him, to walk with him, to delight in him. Because he is the, he is, he is the Lord Almighty. He is the one that flung the stars and the, into space. He's the one that created all things, seen and unseen. He's the one that holds all things together. And he loved us so that we might be able to love him. He demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, far off from him, he, Christ came and died for us so that we might enter, enter eternal life, so that we might walk with him here in this life, now and forever, the life and the age that is to come. That's what he did. And so by loving us and, and being gracious to us, offering and extending forgiveness to us, we are able to receive it. And so because we've received it, because we've received his, his love poured out into our hearts, 
compels us to love others and enables us to love others the way that he has loved us. And so when we, when we stop to pause for a moment before we, we react to something, what, we, what we're actually doing, we're giving space for us to be reminded of our desperate need of God's grace and forgiveness, how much he has lavished upon us and how, much he, how he has treated us. And it enables us then to, in, in those seconds, because if you need to pause for something before you respond or react, it's better to take a few seconds than to take years to try and repair some damage done by some quick words or some quick actions. It's better just to go, hang on, whoa, just a moment. Let me, how am I going to respond to this? How would I want to respond in this moment? How would I want to be talked to in this moment? How would I... Do you get what I'm trying to say? So we're, we're coming out of that sense of because he has demonstrated to us patience and kindness and mercy and grace and forgiveness and we've received it, we can operate in those things. Now, it doesn't mean to say that we don't have to have some hard conversations with people because we do, don't we? If you've, if you've ever been at any, any sort of responsibility at work or in church or whatever, there are sometimes we have to have really hard conversations. That's why I think it links with Jesus' teaching on don't judge. Because what he's saying is actually examine your own heart, examine your own life, bring it before him. What's the motivation for challenging this person? What's, the pro- what's going on in your own life before you start judging other people? Make, and then he goes on, make some fair assessment Make, be discerning about people. Be discerning about how you respond and, and what, what course of action, what kind of person is before you. And therefore then, well, how are you going to respond? So even if we have to have a hard conversations with somebody, even if we have to have difficult conversations that we'd just rather not have, because let's be honest, nobody really, anybody really like awkward conversations. Nobody really likes awkward conversations. I mean, that's just daft, isn't it? Nobody likes to go into something and have, let me, let me just lay it all out before you. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm seeing. Nobody enjoys that. So if we stop and pause for a moment and go, actually, how would, I want to, how would I want to receive what I'm about to say? Because it needs to be said, but in the manner of, what, how am I going to do that? And I think we could solve a whole load of issues and problems within relationships just by pausing before we speak or we react or we do something. And thinking about it from the other person's perspective, it might be true. It might need to be said, but how do we say it? And how do we deliver it? I think that's what Jesus is driving at. And so he roots this, loving God and loving others is gospel. You see, we, um, we're so, so easily uh, and quickly try to carry on doing this life of walking with Jesus in our own effort and energy. Paul's letter to the Galatians is complicated, but it's, it's magnificent. He, he, he's, 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 he, this group of, of people have got in, they're causing problems, they're trying to, trying to earn Salvation again by keeping the law and keeping the regulations. They're, they're getting wrapped up in a whole kind of stuff. It's, it's just, it's really problematic. Because it's Jesus and this. It's all, it's all Jesus. And in, 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 um, in Galatians 5, and I'm going to read it to you. Um, and then I'm going to shut up. Because we're going to take communion.
you ever need to remember the order of Paul's um, pastoral epistles, God's Electric Power Company. <laughs> Some friend of mine at, co at college gave me that little, uh, little phrase and it was just stuck with me forever. Um, Galatians, Galatians 5, um, chapter, uh, Galatians 5, uh, verse 13. For you are called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. I say then, walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry on the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh these are opposed to each other so that you don't know don't do what you want have a read of, of Romans chapter 7 Paul's explanation of like I, things I want to do I don't do and things I do do I don't want to do and it's that like just conflict so we can't do this. We can't do this in our own effort and strength. That's what is driving it? But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious: sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, promiscuity idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. So it's like. I'm going to stop there because I could keep going on and on and on because there's so much that we kind of get bogged down in and get caught up in and just anything like that. It says, I'm, I am warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. It says um, in, in this letter, you began in the Spirit, are you going to continue in the flesh? You're born again of the Spirit. He lives in you and he lives in me. We can't keep trying to strive in our own effort. It's about surrendering to him, walking with him. Somebody wasn't happy. <laughs> um, walking with him and allowing his life to be shaped and formed in us so that our responses become his responses as, he part as we partner with him in his work. So how are we going to do this? It's not by trying harder, although actually some effort, grace isn't opposed to effort, as Dallas Willard said. So we, actually we need to partner, we need to do something, we need to make some decisions, we need to make some choices. But it's as we work with him and walk with him, he transforms us and enables us to be, to, to be what Jesus has purposed us to be. To love, to love him and love others. So 
how can you practice this? How can I practice this? Well, I think just some very simple things. Before you respond, pause. Before you do anything, pause. I think this is, this is, this is framed in prayer. This is, this is prayer, all right? You pause and you listen. You listen to what's going on in your own heart and life. You listen to what's thoughts and stirring. You listen to the motivations, the, the messages, because we all get messages, don't we? Or is that, do I need to go and see a doctor? Like, because we have thoughts that go round and round in our minds, so we've got to pause and we've got to listen and we've got to discern. And then, actually, if there's something not quite right in us, then we've got to confess it. We've got to bring that to God and, and maybe to others. And then we've got to act. So out of all of that, what is the Lord asking of us to do and to respond and to behave? It might be to say nothing. It might just be your problem. Say nothing. But he might actually need you to address something in your life and in the life of somebody else that is for their benefit, not yours. So if, if all we're going to do is, is for our benefit, that's selfish and that's sin and it needs to be repented of and it needs to be surrendered. But if we're acting in a way that's for the benefit of others, I think, that, I think we're on to something. I think we're on to the way of the kingdom and I think that's the invitation of Jesus this morning for us to surrender, to pause, listen, confess, and act. And so we're going to take communion in a moment. Phil's going to lead us. And I can't think of a better way, really, to, to sort of land with that than to come into communion and just allow God to speak.